Welcome to the Crux Podcast and Sermon of the Week. For more information about the Crux Ministries and Summit Church, please visit us at summitsanmarcos.com. Have you ever heard of a scientific study and been shocked that it even happened? Like, I can't believe that researchers even did this, or is that legal? I don't even know. Well, the 1950s was a varied time. It was not the days that we're living in today. And so, there was this guy named Dr. Kurt Richer, and he was experimenting with the lives of rats. I know you're like, I don't know where this is going, but it's not good. Trust me, this is weird. So, this Dr. Richer, what he did was he found a bunch of rats, and he had been domesticating them and raising up these rats for the purpose of experimentation. But it became very clear that he wanted to test with wild rats because wild rats were renowned to be great swimmers. If you think about it, wild rats grow in sewers. So it's kind of gross, but they swim around in the waters and that's how they survive, right? And so he found that when you would actually put a rat inside of a water container that had rotating water inside of it that was creating waves, that the rats would only last about 15 minutes before giving up and going to the bottom and sinking and dying. And so he thought when he got the wild rats that they would last even longer. But when he brought the wild rats in, most of them died after only three minutes. Even though they're awesome swimmers, they have great survival instincts. They would just get really flustered and use all of their energy right away. And so what's crazy about what he did next is he was trying to find a way to give the wild rats a chance against the domesticated rats. He didn't understand why the domesticated rats were doing better. So his strategy is, what if I take one of the rats out? I know it's kind of a disturbing study, right? But he's like, what if I take one of the rats out right before it's about to die? You know, right as it's about to drown, you know, it like can't go anymore because it has no more strength. I'll take it out. I'll save it. Dry it off. And then we'll put it back in, and then that's the, you know, the, what we're going to use for the observation for the study. And he found that when he, serv- when he would rescue one of these rats from drowning briefly and then dry it off, whether it was domesticated or not, they would survive an average of 60 hours before they drowned. And so what was crazy is that they could survive up to 15 minutes exerting all of their strength just to stay afloat and just to stay alive. But if they were briefly saved for just a moment and they were taken out of the hard situation and placed back inside of it, they were able to survive for 60 times longer, right? 240 times longer, just kidding. 60 hours, <laughs> right? And so what's crazy is he's concluded that his scientific reason that the rats were able to swim longer is because they were given hope. Or to put it more exactly, they were given energy through hope. And so I know it's kind of a morbid study. It's a little bit, you know, like confusing. And you're like, why would they even do that to rats? (laughs) You know, but I think the point is, is that once the rats had a clear picture of what it looked like to be saved, that there was a way out of their situation, the energy that they gained and the way that they swam was completely different. It went from 15 minutes to 60 hours. That's more than three days that they were able to stay afloat when they believed that there was a chance that they would get saved. And so I was shocked just because they could even do this to animals type of things. But I think it's a showcasing just even for animals how powerful hope can be. Even in the midst of a completely hopeless situation where nothing the rats rats have ever learned could benefit them and there is no way out. Their survival was not just three or four times more effective when they had hope. Their survival was exponentially higher, over 240 times more effective at surviving through a hopeless situation if they had hope. And I think the hardest time to have hope is when you're literally dying. (laughs) So God is a person of infinite power. And our brain is actually going to stop trying to find a solution as soon as we believe it's impossible. You see, you have all this brain power. You have this ability to critically think, this ability to create solutions and find a way out of problems. You know, and a lot better than rats, right? And they can find their way out of mazes. But if as soon as you decide, you know what, this relationship... 
It's just doomed. I can't reconcile with this family member. As soon as you decide I'm not going to make it to my destiny, I can't learn how to play piano, whatever it is, your brain is going to consciously and subconsciously stop trying to find a way to solve the problem. You're cutting off all of the talents that you have to critically think and even your subconscious brain power that will sometimes lead you out. If you've ever felt like if you've been in one of those mazes or escape rooms, you just kind of feel led where to go and you're, you kind of get drawn there, all that goes away if you think where you are, you're just stuck and you can't make it out. And so God is that person of infinite power. He is the one who can make any impossible situation into a possible situation. And like we've been talking about in these past weeks, Holy Spirit, Spirit, our close friend, he lives inside of us, and he is that infinite well of peace and power that suddenly opens up the door to every one of our destinies. It opens up the door to make it through every door of fear. It opens up the door to make it through every hard time, and he is the one that makes everything possible to the one who has hope and the one who chooses to believe that things could work out, even when it looks really bad. And so hope itself inside of us will produce the energy to accomplish and to actualize what we hope and what we fight for. The people who hung around Jesus, even for a day, they saw tons of miracles. And so even in our lives, as we're fellowshipping with Jesus and we're spending time with the Holy Spirit, this is the same Jesus, this is the same Holy Spirit. And so you better believe there's going to be miracles all over the place. And so tonight, what I want to talk about is, are you in a mess because God is able and willing to clean it with you. Oftentimes, the barrier to our success is not mistakes. It's not wrong you know, actions. It's not missteps. The barrier to our success is actually wrong beliefs. And Jesus, he is our singular reason to be optimistic in every situation. I believe and I hope to convince you thoroughly tonight that he provides reasonable reasons to hope at all times in every situation. And I think I was the least qualified person to talk about this. <laughs> I was a person who grew up with the least amount of hope and really was pessimistic. But we see in the Bible that there's a different story that God is fighting for us and that our faith and our hope makes a difference. Not just in rats where it produces energy, but in our lives where God says it will motivate us. So in Hebrews 11.1 1, in the Passion Translation, it says, Now faith brings our hopes into reality, and these become the foundation needed to acquire the things that we long for. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen and what is not yet actualized, what hasn't happened yet. And in Greek, the word there used for hope is actually ellipsis. And in many times in the Strong's Concordance, it's translated as a joyful and confident expectation for something that's about to occur or come into being. It's often used to talk about an assurance of salvation, believing that God will make good on one of his promises. But as we read these verses, I want you to understand that the hope that we talk about in the Bible is not the same hope where it's just like, I hope this good thing might happen. The hope that we talk about in the Bible is the ever-present expectation that there is coming the thing that you're hoping for, that it is going to happen no matter what, and God is the one who's going to see it to its conclusion. God is the one who's going to watch over his word, and he's going to keep his promise that he made every single time. And so the first point today is that if you're in a mess, God wants to clean it up with you. Growing up for me was pretty difficult. You know, I actually have a whole list of birth defects and, and crazy things that I had to deal with. Suffice to say, without going into detail, I had to find a lot of other ways of doing things in order to be successful. Even basic things like doing math, which I did find a way to do and I became really good at. You know, if I don't break down a math problem into smaller problems, I physically can't do it. And a lot of people know me as a really smart guy who's able to do math, but I'm only able to do it because I break down the big problems into really small problems. Really, I'm just a pro at multiplying eight times seven in the really 
easy problems. And I just found a way to break down any equation into a simpler math problem because I just couldn't do it any other way. So suffice to say, I made a lot of messes as a child, physically, with food, at school, emotionally. <laughs> a phrase I had to repeat to myself that I still say in my adult years is it's okay to make a mess as long as you clean up your mess. <laughs> I even found myself saying that today at work and I was training someone and I was like, you know what, you don't have to worry about it. It's totally okay to make a mess as long as you clean up your mess. <laughs> you know, it's something I heard from this guy named Danny Silk who wrote a book, Keep Your Love On. And it's one of my favorites. And I know some of us can relate because as adults, we're still making messes. We're still blowing up our relationships with our friends and saying things that we wish we could take back. So I make all kinds of messes with the words that I say. I make messes through bad decisions. You know, it's an oversimplistic definition, but every time we sin, we mess up. We create a mess. When we give into fear, we create a mess. The good news is that it's always okay to make a mess and it shouldn't stop us from trying new things. It's okay to not get it right. You just have to clean it up. You just have to be willing to take responsibility and repent. 1 John 1, 9 in the NKJV says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'm so glad that God is like this because I mess up all the time. And some of the worst mistakes are corrected by just going to the other people involved or affected in humility and apologizing, taking responsibility for what I did. Often the person affected the most is my friend, the Holy Spirit. My hope and prayer is that this truth encourages you and that any of those things that cause physical or emotional messes in your life, that even in all the worst case scenarios, he is able to clean up the mess. And many times, like I said, no matter how bad it looks, the greatest messes in my life, the, the worst family relationships, <laughs> the cousins I could never reconcile with, they all just required me to take responsibility for my part, even if their part was greater to go to them in humility, and to apologize. Even when I was the one who got hurt sometimes first, I was still the one who would go to them and apologize, and I worked it out. And I did that to set myself free, because I couldn't carry that emotion in my heart any longer. Unforgiveness really is just like drinking poison and hoping it's going to hurt somebody else. And so I got to tell you, I know some of you have been hurt really bad. I've been hurt really bad too. You know, even in the most ridiculous ways that don't even make remote sense. Like I remember like when I was in school and people would pick on me, one of the things they would do is throw grapes at me. That doesn't even make sense. <laughs> so it was just really weird. It actually hurts a little bit, by the way. So <laughs> it was very strange. And so <laughs> whatever it is that's going on for you guys, I just want to tell you that taking responsibility and forgiving those people, apologizing even for your part in it is what really sets you free. And I hold nothing against those people that did that to me. I even got to meet one of them in my adult years at the public library, which is really weird. So anyway, <laughs> I got to meet this guy and he even apologized to me. And there was nothing in my heart that I held against him because I didn't forgive him for him. I forgave him for me. It was about time that I got set free and I stopped carrying that with me. I stopped carrying that identity uh, that those kids had placed on me by throwing that stuff at me. And so what I want to talk about tonight is that oftentimes it's not doing something wrong that gets us off track. It's believing something wrong. And so I want to clear up something once and for all. Galatians 5.1 says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again to a yoke of slavery. And so my word for you tonight is that you are not addicted and I'm sorry if that sounds insensitive, but it's true. It's absolutely true that if you've chosen to put your faith in Jesus, you are not addicted to anything at all anymore. You know, sometimes there's even something chemical going on in our bodies. Trust me, I literally have quit things before and started sweating and had my hand shake. I know what it's like, but in Christ, you are not addicted. 
You are not addicted. Literally, the dictionary.com definition of addiction is the state of being enslaved to a habit or practice or something that is psychologically or physically habit-forming, such as narcotics, to the extent that cessation causes severe trauma. And so the key here is that it's the state of being enslaved to something. You are no longer enslaved. You can quit. You can choose to stop. It might just be through the supernatural miracle power of Jesus Christ, but you can literally choose to stop. And so my word tonight is that if Holy Spirit is inside of you, if there is a well of peace and strength on the inside of you, then you have the free will to choose exactly what you want to do in any moment, no matter what. There is no person who can take that choice away from you because God has invested that choice in you. Even when people come at you with coercion or they try to threaten you and say these things, you are still responsible and able to choose what to do in every moment because you are not enslaved. In the Passion Translations, Galatians 5.1 says, let me be clear, the anointed one has set us free, not partially, but completely and wonderfully free. We must always cherish this truth and stubbornly refuse to go back to the bondage of our past. I might even go back to those things that I used to be addicted to. I might even go and do that thing again. I remember what it was like to do that. I remember what it was like to be an addict. And I can go pretend that I'm stuck back there again. But Jesus unstuck me. And it was really hard to realize that truth. It was really hard to start believing that because I became so much more responsible for what I was choosing to do. I wasn't someone that was just stuck in all of these issues. Jesus had actually unstuck me and I was choosing by my free will to continue on in doing this. And so I want to encourage you that you can find freedom and you can even find freedom from your beliefs. So if there's something we are struggling with right now, I don't mean to talk down to you. I want you to know that Jesus has given you power. He's actually given you supernatural strength that's coursing through your veins. Something that you did not have before when you started struggling with this, that you now have the power to choose. You have the power to say yes or no. And he is actually going to help you in the process. I want you to know that no matter how deep it was, no matter how hard the wound was, that Jesus gave you freedom from it because you are no longer enslaved to anything. Jesus Christ has set you free. Wherever his spirit is, there is freedom. And let me tell you, my friends, his spirit dwells powerfully inside of each and every one of you. There is an endless amount of freedom that comes from your innermost being where you have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And so there is nothing that can enslave you. There is no demon. There is no narcotic. There is no, you know, images that can enslave you because you have been set free. I want to be clear that it's okay to fail and go back and do that again because you're never back at square one. You're never really addicted again, even if you feel like you started. You're completely and wonderfully free. And it's actually that hope that will energize you to keep on choosing out of it. The hope will literally fill you with physical strength and motivation to get you out of that situation. The same one that used to defeat you. Jesus gives us reasonable reasons to hope at all times. He's given us many reasons to hope. In Mark 9.23, it says, all things are possible for the one who believes. You know, there's many Bible verses that we could go over (laughs) just over and over. But my point here tonight is that it's far more reasonable and realistic to have hope than to believe that everything will fall apart. I get it. I really do. I was a pessimist with all of my heart and all of my education. And I thought that it was realism, (laughs) right? That bad things would just happen all the time. I thought the probability for a young person under the age of 25 who was driving starting at age 18 of them getting in a car accident is exactly 100% (laughs) without any exceptions. (laughs) And that is really what I used to believe. And we used to use math to try to prove that for people under 25, they get in accidents. And that's why, incidentally, when you get older, your insurance premiums will go down immediately for no reason. 
when you are older than 25. <laughs> We've got confirmation. Just kidding. So back in 2014, I used to be a pessimist, but there was a moment in December where I chose that I wanted to be an optimist. And for the rest of my life, I will thank God for people like Pastor Taylor, who lovingly walked me through this whole process. In every hopeless situation, he always told me that the reason to be hope is placing your faith in a God that can get you out of it. You know, I think sometimes we just get so fixated on the bad and the things that we fear that are actually going to happen to us, we never even consider what the best case scenario will look like. We never consider what would actually happen if God answered our prayers. I want to tell you guys a story from the Bible in Acts chapter 12. And before we go there, I'm going to read a little bit of context first. Basically, there's this guy named Peter. He was one of the disciples who followed Jesus. And when he was preaching about the risen Christ in the city, he was imprisoned by the religious leaders because they did not want him to preach about Jesus. And they put him in prison and all of the believers got together and they had prayer meetings at different houses. And at one house specifically, they invited the leaders of the church to come and pray and press in for Peter. And this isn't just like some prayer meeting where it's like, hey guys, you know, we're going to have a barbecue and we're going to pray. No, this is them. We're going to pray and fast. We're not even going to sleep tonight. We're fasting sleep as well. We are staying up all night praying for Peter to be released. We are going to fast and pray until the moment that he's released with prison right? And so they're literally like, I'm not going to eat until they release Peter. And they're sitting here. This is the moment that they're in when Peter actually comes and shows up to crash the prayer meeting. In, in Acts chapter 12, verse 13, Peter knocked on the outer entrance to the door and a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer the door. In verse 14 of Acts 12, it says, when she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that she ran back without opening it and went back to the people inside and said, Peter is at the door. The people told her, they looked this woman dead in the windows of her soul, and they said, you're out of your mind. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. <laughs> but Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and they saw him, they were astonished. They literally thought that in the middle of their prayer meeting, where they're praying and fasting for God to break through for them and their friend, that it was more likely that they were being visited by him when he was already dead by his angel than that God might have actually answered the prayers that they were praying and believing for. <laughs> How often do we do this in our lives where we think it's more likely that the thing that we've been praying for, like Peter, is like, oh, it's already dead and it's coming to haunt me versus the fact that God actually might answer my prayer, that I might get my destiny now. Many of us are not even ready to start writing that book or recording the album. We haven't even put in the practice of the work because we've never even fully considered what it might look like if God actually answered our prayer right now. <laughs> And I'm right there with you guys. God has spoken to me promises over my life, and I am not ready to carry them right now. And I want to tell you, do you have a plan for the best case scenario? Some of my friends and I, we have a zombie evacuation plan, okay? I literally have a machete in my house, but I do not know what I would do if God answered my prayers. I don't know what I would do if God really broke through. I don't even know what God would do. I don't even know what I would do if God healed me from some of the birth defects that I had, from some of the things that I've struggled with. I've never even considered what my life would look like if my handwriting was just a little bit different. <laughs> I don't have a plan for it. My, my, host, my house, my home, my house, my house is stocked to the brim with food. Any of you who have actually hung out with me in the garage, my house is stocked with cans just in case something goes wrong. I still have the supplies from when I was a pessimist. I'm not even making this stuff up, but I don't have a plan if everything goes well. I don't have a five-year plan if God comes through for me. 
Why do we do this to ourselves? We're like these people that are fasting and praying like, God, I'm praying for this. And then he's like, I'm trying to answer your prayer, but you won't even answer the door (laughs) because you're too busy praying for me to break through for you that you won't let me in. And so God wants to be the game changer. The Holy Spirit wants to give you hope. He wants to give you power to be able to do this. Like Colossians 3.3, it says in the Passion Translation, your crucifixion with Christ has severed you from this life. And now your true life is hidden away with God as you live within the anointed one. And then in Romans 12.12, it says, let this hope burst forth within you, releasing a continual joy. Don't give up in time of trouble, but commune with God at all times. And so I want to bring it back. We got to remain connected to the source. If Holy Spirit is really this well of hope on the inside of us, I know it doesn't feel like we talked about his character and what he looks like, but I think this is what he's all about. He's the one that answers your prayer when you're most unprepared for it. And he's knocking on our hearts and saying, are you ready if I actually break through for you? Are you ready if things work out? Are you ready if I pay off that debt for you right now? Because many of us, we haven't even considered it. We just think I'm going to pay $100 a month toward that student loan. What if God forgave that loan today? We wouldn't even be prepared. Remain connected to the source and believe that God creates a new avenue through the problem, no matter what is going on, no matter what's happening in my body, what's stopping me from getting to my destiny, God is able to make a way for me to get there. And he's the one who got me excited about all this stuff anyways. I'm going to be real with you guys. I wanted to be a professional video gamer. (laughs) And I was good, man. I was good. But God had different plans for my life. And he was the one who got me excited about all this stuff anyways. And doing ministry and relationships. Man, this stuff is a whole lot of work. I used to just, you know, like play video games for 10 hours a day. Yeah, I used to play a lot of Halo 3. So anyways, guys, remain connected to the source. God, sometimes he gets us all excited about these dreams, but we're never even ready. Like, what would I do if God answered my prayer? Now I want to just move into a time of impartation, and I want you guys to know that there is power coursing through your veins. I want you to be fully convinced that the Holy Spirit, like for those rats that were drowning, he is that hand that comes out of nowhere and saves you from the situation that literally would kill you. And if you run the numbers and you look at the facts, sure, you're going to die. But actually, if you pray, then God will save you. Actually, if you have hope, then you'll have enough energy to keep going and you're going to make it. So the question is, will you choose to have hope or not? The situation is going to be hard. I don't know when God's going to save you, but if you choose to have hope, you're going to make it. But like many of the rats who could have even lasted 15 minutes, the ones who were wild and had never been in a situation that was too much for them, they were the ones that died instantly and just went to the bottom. Many of them completely submitted to their fate and even went to the very bottom of the tank. They didn't even try to tread water at the top. They just went to the bottom of their fate once they realized, I can't do anything about this. And many times for the addictions in our life, for the things that are stopping us from our destiny, we're just like that. This is just always going to stop me from getting there. I'm just never going to conquer this fear or whatever it is. And we sink to the bottom. When in reality, there's an endless well of motivation and energy that's inside of us. Even physical strength that we receive just by putting our hope in Jesus Christ. Sure, he's going to give you the power. (laughs) Sure, he's going to help you with supernatural strength and give you new ideas on how to get out of the situation. Sure, sometimes he might supernaturally levitate you out of what you're going through. But there is so much power that you receive. There is a tool that he's given you and it's called hope. And sometimes that's all we need is to just hold on to that hope and say, I'm going to keep fighting. I'm going to keep trying and believing that I am going to get out of this, that I'm not addicted to this, and that I will not submit to fear any longer.
So remain connected to the source. Remain committed to the Holy Spirit. He's never given up on you. So don't give up on the dreams that he's placed inside of your heart. I know for many of you, it might be like for me, where God has placed dreams inside of your heart and he's given you desires that you didn't know you had and you might not have even wanted. (laughs) I wanted my other desires. I wanted to do a lot of other stuff in my life. I even tried round two and tried (laughs) to do like a video gaming thing with another video game called League of Legends. Did it work out, you know? And God just had to keep reminding me, this is not you. Like you could do this, but this is not who you are. This is not who I created you to be. And now I'm so much more excited about connecting with friends. I'm so much more excited about, you know, empowering women and raising people up in leadership and doing all this stuff. And that is what my heart beats for now. I want my life to be about that stuff. And I don't think there's anything wrong with some of the pursuits that we started with, just like for me. You know, I think it's fine to play some video games, but this is not what my life is supposed to be about. And maybe someone's going to be a Christian athlete in that world as well, just like we have Christian athletes in football. But I guess it's not me. (laughs) I really wanted it to be. I wanted to be the first Christian gamer, but it really didn't work out. So now I just want you guys to know that I don't know why I'm talking about all this stuff. So this is just weird. So anyways, I just want you guys to know that God has just filled you up with strength and that he's given you the power. And so I just want to pray over you guys for a moment. I just want to ask you all to stand up and we're just going to move into a time of prayer and we're going to ask God to release that power in our lives. <laughs> you know, there's, there's so many fancy things in, I could say. There's so many Bible verses I could quote, like Acts 1-8, how God has just filled you up with power and you'll be his witnesses even to the ends of the earth. But there's something more powerful that the Holy Spirit himself could do for you. There's something more powerful that could happen right inside of your heart, right there at your seat. You know, I love those services where you get to come up to the front and someone lays hands on you and everyone gets to pray for you. But I want the Holy Spirit inside of you to encounter you. Because when it's you in the waters, when it's you fighting against your fears again, when it's you dealing with the birth defects, when it's you dealing with the conditions... I'm not going to be there to lay hands on you, but Holy Spirit inside of you is going to be there to rescue you. He's going to be there to fill you up with hope. And so I just want you guys to just take a moment with me and we're just going to ask God for power. We're just going to ask him out loud. So I just want to have everyone just repeat after me and we're just going to say, Lord Jesus, I ask you for power. Holy Spirit, give me strength to accomplish all that you have intended for me to do, to conquer all that you have intended me to overcome. Take me to my dreams. Take me past my fears. And give me your strength always. And I want to encourage you guys, we're going to start praying. And I just want to create a moment for this. I want to create a space for this, for you to just spend a moment to pray to your God, for you to pray and speak to the Holy Spirit that's inside of you. We're not looking to God somewhere in heaven. I'm not trying to approach the throne of Jesus. You know, I know there's a verse that says we approach the throne of Jesus and try to get mercy and grace. But let me tell you, my friends, the throne is with you. He is inside of you. God has chosen to make his resting place, his tabernacle, his dwelling place. He has chosen to reign inside of his temple. And instead of being some far off place in Jerusalem or somewhere way up in heaven, he has chosen by his decision that he wants to be in the temple. Like 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? spirit. And so that is where the presence of God is right now. And so please just take a moment. Don't miss out on this. Take a moment and just in your own words, just ask God for power. Even if the only thing you say is after one minute, like, God, 
I want power. <laughs> Something like that. Just in your own words, ask God for power. Don't worry about if other people are listening. You don't have to be super loud, but I want you to say it with your mouth because there's something powerful about crying out to Jesus for power. That is what helps people get through addiction. Even for Pastor Daniel in our church, that's how he made it through his addictions. He asked God for power. That's how he conquered all of his fear. Does he ask God for power? So I want to just take a moment where we're going to cry out and we're going to ask him for power. All right, guys. So I just want to take a moment and I want to really press in and pray with you guys for a moment. Like we were talking about Peter in Acts chapter 12 where he's knocking on the door and there's a whole group of people that are pressing in, that are praying, saying, God, this is what I want. I am not going to let go. I'm not going to leave your presence until I have what I'm asking for. And I just want to stir you up right now and ask, what is the Peter in your life? What is that one thing that you're asking God for? Like, God, I'm believing for this. I'm holding on for this. This is my desire. This is what I need. This is the thing that keeps getting me stuck. This is the fear that I can't overcome. Whatever it is, find your Peter right now. I want to give you guys a moment to ask God, God, what is my Peter? What is that thing that I'm pressing in and asking you for? Even like we talked about, we're never ready of what it could look like if the best case scenario happens. Where is God going to break through for you in your life? And what is it going to look like? If there was just one way that God could break through for you supernaturally right now, where is that area in your life? Is, is it something, you know, physical? Is it something emotional? Where is it and what is it going to look like if God breaks through for you? in that area? And so I want you guys to take a moment and just ask the Lord, God, what is my Peter? God, what is that thing that I'm praying and pressing in for, that I'm believing for, that I'm going to hold on for? And even if it feels completely impossible, like you're like, God, that doesn't even make any sense. I can't be healed from that. I've already made it too far. I don't know how to live life without that thing. Just ask God, God, what is my Peter? What is my Peter? What does my breakthrough look like? once you guys get it, we're going to press in and we're going to pray for it together. But I just want to be sensitive and give you a moment to really ask the Holy Spirit, what is that thing that I'm pressing in for? What does my breakthrough look like? Really figure out what your Peter is, because I feel like the Holy Spirit is going to break through in this moment. He's going to start releasing to some of you those very things that you're asking for. He's going to start planting seeds in your heart that are going to grow into the thing that you want. I don't want to be like that church where I'm just constantly pressing and praying in for something. And even when it's right there at the door where I'm not willing to believe God that it actually happened. I don't want to be like that prayer meeting of people. I think that's why we have that story in the Bible. And so I'm going to pray for you guys right now for breakthrough. And keep that picture in your mind of what it looks like if God could really do that. If God had enough power to accomplish that. What if he could bring Peter to the door right now? And so God, we just pray and we cry out to you, God. We know it's not going to take a whole night of prayer and fasting to get it to happen. Because it's not about what we do. We pray for you right now, God right now that you would bring breakthrough in our hearts, right now that you would set us free from all of that junk,
Right now, God, that you would bring us past the fear, that you would do it now, God, that you would do it now. I see now why in the book of Mark, there was so much urgency with the kingdom of Christ, because sometimes there's a moment where God's like, I'm going to do it right now, and I can't wait. I'm not going to wait until tomorrow. We're going to do it right now. We're not going to wait five minutes, because Jesus is releasing breakthrough now, because the Holy Spirit inside of you is able to overcome every barrier and every obstacle, whatever it is, and even if it doesn't make sense. He is going to unstick you right now in Jesus' name. And so, God, I just thank you that people are getting set free tonight. It ends tonight, and I want you to know that not a single person here walks out of here an addict, that there is nothing that you are enslaved to. There is nothing that could possibly hold you down and keep you from the destiny that God has for you. You might feel like there's a whole five steps before you get there, but God is speaking over you right now and saying, my Holy Spirit has made you close to who you are. My Holy Spirit is active inside of you. And it defines you more than your dysfunction. It defines you more than the things that are holding you back. There is something that is more true to who you really are than your fears. There's something that's more true to who you really are than your emotions. And that is God's Holy Spirit. You were always meant to be a reflection of who he is. And that Holy Spirit is stirring up inside of you and crying out, my name is this. And I receive breakthrough tonight. And so I want to encourage you guys to even say it. Just say your name. Just say, my name is this, and I receive it tonight. So just say, my name is David. My name is Taylor. I hope you said your own name. Let's try again. This is a, my name is David. My name is (laughs) And I receive it tonight. And I receive it tonight. There's something inside of you guys that's crying out, that's saying that I am David. It's crying out right now and saying that this is who you really are. You're not defined by all of those other people's opinions or by your emotions or by what you see in the mirror. You're defined by who Jesus Christ says you are. And that's who you really are, no matter what it feels like. No matter what it feels like in the morning or when you go back to that job, that is who you are. That is who he says you are. You are his beloved one. And so we just thank you, God, for the breakthrough that you've released tonight. We just thank you, God, that Peter is way closer to the door than we imagine. That for so many of us here, that you are far more capable of answering our prayers than we have ever dared to imagine. That you are the God of the universe that created it all. And it is not more likely that these things are all going to fall apart on us because we have a God who is working for us because we have a God who made a promise and he will watch over his word like it says in Isaiah 55 and he will not let his word drop down to the ground but he will see that it accomplishes the fullness of what he intended it to do and what what I have for you guys tonight is that the word that God is watching over tonight is the word that he spoke to create you. The word that he spoke to bring you into being. He will not let that word go into the ground without it accomplishing the fullness of what he intended it for. And so your life is not going to go into the ground until you see and experience the fullness of what God has for you. So you can stand on the truth of Isaiah 55, hopefully it's verse 11, where God talks about he will watch over that word. And he will not let it go into the ground because you will accomplish all that God has anointed you to do. And not a, not a drop will be missed. I think tonight some of our fears and some of our inhibitions just need to die so that new seed can grow. Let it go into the ground. Let your fears go into the ground so that new life can sprout out. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to the Crux Podcast Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit SummitSanMarcos.com for other exciting content from Summit Church.